0: Hi, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madhvi Romani. And this is Misinform, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week we'll be discussing a different trend or topic, so you can stay informed the easy way. So, Madhvi, what's the topic this week? This week we're talking about football! Yay! Our most favorite thing. I think something we never thought we would talk about. <laughs>
1: I mean, 11 men with one ball on one side trying to get it into a net on the other side, while another 11 men trying to get a ball on the other side just running up and down this big field. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, we want to talk about football because the World Cup is on. It's in Qatar. There's a lot of news every single day about this World Cup. It's extremely controversial in many ways and it's extremely political, and there's so many layers to it, so I just thought we should definitely discuss it. Because football, despite what a lot of people are trying to say, oh, it's just a sport, and it's not political at all. Also, FIFA is trying to do that a little bit too. You know, let's just enjoy the football stuff. I don't think it can be, at this point, separated from politics at all. Nothing in life is free of politics. You know when people on their Bumble profiles put... They're apolitical? Yeah. What is
0: apolitical? Apolitical just means you're fine with the status quo and you don't care. Exactly. Apolitical just means you're so privileged you've never had to worry about anything because the current politics are great. You fine. Yeah, they're great for your yeah. life. So your political stance,
1: if you're apolitical, is that you completely support the way everything is going. Yes. So yeah, nothing is apolitical because you live in the world and the world is political and you live in culture and society so can we stop
0: saying this? Yes, absolutely. And sports, if anything, I think are one of the most political things.
1: There is a great documentary on Netflix about the history of FIFA. It's a four-part documentary. (laughs) I watched all of it. Four hours of my life. I know so much about FIFA. Um...
0: (laughs) I'm legitimately sorry.
1: (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) I was watching this and I was like, wow. But actually, it's interesting. Yeah. So FIFA started off, I think in 1904 or something like that, where like all these different teams, they were playing against each other and they just needed a kind of organizing body, you know, so that they could play against each other. Super nice, actually. You know, it was a non-profit. They just had this office in Zurich. It was all fine. Until, actually... Politics came into it because we live in the world, and the guy who was running it, who was a British guy, was kind of... it was apartheid at that time, and he was sort of tolerant or accepting. Politically, he was fine with apartheid, let's put it like that. And a lot of people thought South Africa, you know, should be boycotted because apartheid, racism... Terrible injustice. So this Brazilian guy, Zhao Havalange, came into the picture and became president based on the fact that he kind of said, hey, you know, I don't think it's cool that South Africa is in this or whatever. And a lot of other countries supported him. And then he came into power. And actually, that's in 1974 or something like that. When he came into power, the way he did it was he promised a lot of people, a lot of development funds to develop football in their countries. And literally, from 1974 onwards, it's well known in FIFA that these brown envelopes of money were just being passed around in exchange for votes. That was the model for FIFA and nothing changed until today even. So it just turned into a corrupt thing. And I thought was really interesting about this documentary is it's such a lesson in how corruption starts and then how it continues. Because then of course he came into power, And then he was like, "Oh shit! Like I promised all these people like money to develop the sport, and you know how do we get the money?" So then he got Sepp Blatter, who is basically still thriving today for some reason. But he was uh, the FIFA president until 2016. So from then on, Sepp Blatter,
0: Sepp step ladder whose name sounds like step ladder that's what i was gonna say what a ridiculous name i'm sorry how is that man in charge of anything with that name he's
1: a ridiculous person he makes me so angry to look at him but anyway he came on and then he did the first revolutionary thing actually in football he turned to capitalism and he started getting these sponsorship deals you know with coca-cola to develop football in other countries and stuff so it became you know capitalism basically
0: you know, his real name is Joseph, and yet he chooses to go by Sepp. That should tell you everything about this man. <laughs> he's Swiss. I know it's a nickname there. I don't want to insult Switzerland, but come on.
1: I just want to talk about Sepp Lader for a minute, because I watched four hours of this documentary where he's interviewed, and he is infuriating. I want to take my hands and put them around his neck and squeeze so hard, and slap him so much, because he's such a narcissist, he's so delighted with himself, he thinks he's the victim in everything, he's overseen an organization which is rife with corruption, for this many years, he takes zero responsibility, there's something missing from his brain, like he's really a psychopath, or sociopath, or something, and he has no shame, and no accountability, and is just an awful person anyway i just needed to get that out because he's infuriating
0: i support this
1: <laughs> just putting that out there if i ever see him I, my rage will explode and i will strangle the man i just he's the worst of the worst he's just so unaware of how wrong he is that's the worst type of person
0: I think maybe for legal reasons we should say we will do no harm whatsoever to No, I cannot
1: actually promise that. <laughs> no, I can't. It's going to be like rage overtook her. I don't know. Maybe we can go for insanity plea or something, but really. And also he probably deserves it. So he came on board and then like, you know, all the money started <laughs> flowing. So what's very interesting is after this, the founders of Adidas actually had a lot to do with FIFA. Dassler, the owners of Adidas basically, They bought all the marketing rights, all of it. They just set up a company called ISL. They bought all the marketing rights for all of FIFA just to give like all of these guys, you know, who were in FIFA just so much money for it. And of course, they started selling off the marketing rights to different people for a higher price. But that was the business model. Corruption was rife. And then that was just the way of doing business at FIFA. Like people really, they sold all the World Cups. Uh, from Argentina onwards, Argentina in 19, I think, 1978, at that time, there was a very terrible military ruling Argentina, you know, they were doing things like throwing people out of planes and stuff, and again, in the name of, oh, football isn't political, Havalanche, who was the president then, and whose right-hand man was Sep Steppladder, Sep lad- <laughs> <Sepp> Bladder. <laughs>
0: this man needs to get a new name. <laughs>
1: So Havlan said, oh, you know, we're totally unpolitical. And then his version of being unpolitical was setting up this final stadium 500 meters from where this big prison was, where all the opponents of this terrible regime were being tortured and killed and held. Because that was his version of apolitical. But that's not apolitical. That is, we are supporting a terrible dictatorship. And so we had Argentina, we've had Russia, and now we have Qatar. And you have this idea of sports washing which is basically, you know, using sports to sort of clean up or present a nice image of a terrible regime, which is still happening today in 2022. Nothing has happened between Argentina and now to stop
0: that. And it's a big mess. So basically, FIFA, you know, everything business as usual, as it's always been. They're the same shit, terrible company, and they're never going to change. They're not a company. They're supposed to be a non-profit yeah right but they they
1: all really profited themselves like so many millions and millions have gone missing inside people's pockets most of the members of the executive committee the u.s justice department the fbi you know arrested them They were talking about money laundering, about bribery. I mean, basically, they were talking about these charges, like they talk about mafia organization or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, did you know that FIFA has an ethics committee?
1: Yes, and there's a sort of very funny interview with Sepp, where he's saying, ah, but we have this independent ethics committee. And the journalist is like, but who are paid by FIFA? He was like, well, of course you have to pay people. Yes, but they're independent. And then they set up, also, because these allegations have been going on since, like, about 2009, 2010 onwards, and so then they set up this, like, governance body, and the woman who got hired to do this in the interview was saying, oh, you know, we were... Proposing all these things like pay and transparency and stuff. And as soon as the recommendations started coming, they just said, like, shut it down. They just don't want to change. And then this documentary was really interesting also that a lot of people were like, Oh, well, can FIFA be run without completely clean? It's fine to say that, but that's not reality. That's not the real world. And it's like, I mean, if you have no imagination to think about how football could possibly be run without corruption, I mean, that's how everyone in FIFA was thinking and this is a real good lesson in corruption actually I think everyone just thinks that's reality that's how the system is and then it's never going to change right because everyone just accepts it and that's what's really interesting about FIFA I think in corruption terms as well because it's just a really good like little case study about how corruption just becomes then a reality and everyone's like well that's just the way things are
0: This is my qualm when people always say, well, that's not what the real world's like, as if that's not changeable. You're like, hang on, all of these things are made by humans, thus we have the power to change it. Of course, human nature is going to get in the way, but let's park that by side for a second. Like, these things are not natural occurring phenomenons. We can change them if we want. We've made them. And the acceptance of this,
1: because, like, there were so many points at which you know football players were getting screwed over money was disappearing into accounts like everyone knew everyone knew about the brown envelopes but hardly anyone did anything to change it and like yeah there will always be corruption but come on transparency is a thing a proper investigation is a thing like setting up an actual independent ethics committee and proper governance
0: rules they help limit the corruption,
1: but just to be like, oh, that's okay, then it just becomes rife.
0: Yeah, and also, like, maybe this is a silly suggestion, but if you want to sell who gets to host the next World Cup, then just sell it. Do you know what I mean? Like Definitely. Then just let the public know this is what you're doing, do a formal process around it. You're doing it anyway, anyway.
1: But that's what's funny about FIFA, because they try and, which is infuriating thing about Sepp Blatter as well, like, he's just trying to always say, well... You know, he did his best, he can still sleep well at night, everything's great. And that's the thing about FIFA is they're always talking about bringing the world together and doing something good and, you know, they want to bring the World Cup to the Arab world like they wanted to bring it to South Africa and this is going to be good for football, it's going to be good for human rights in Qatar. They spin it in so many different ways but it's nothing else apart from money, it's about money. What a nice PR move. FIFA are doing some pretty outrageous PR moves. What's interesting about the spin is, like, so Gianni Infantino the other day, who I by the way, lives in Qatar, I think, actually, he gave this press conference and he was saying this thing which is just dominating this conversation where he said, well, as a European, I don't think we as Europeans, you know, we did colonialism and all that. We have a lot to answer for. And so, you know, we shouldn't be criticizing Qatar and all of this stuff, which in a lot of the dialogue, there is this like false dichotomy created between the Arab world and the Middle East and the Europeans and the Europeans are being hypocritical and not applying the same standards and stuff like that. But, like, actually, in the end, there are human rights abuses here, and the World Cup is going on here, and thousands of people died while making the stadiums for this World Cup. It's wrong. Yeah. And anyone who says it's wrong, all the human rights organisations, amnesty, the media, should say it's wrong. Just because your country has done something bad or does things bad,
0: both things are wrong, right? Yes, of course. And also, no one is beyond criticism. Like, just because you were the victim of a crime in the past does not mean that now you get a free pass to do whatever you want. That's not how it
1: works. For listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, when Qatar bought, basically, the World Cup, because that's how it works in FIFA, and like you said, they don't just auction it off and sell it like they should. There was the Maynard Nichols, report. So this guy went around, Maynard Nichols, and went to all the countries to assess them in terms of like hosting the World Cup. For Qatar, he said, it's very small, because they have a population of 300,000, nothing, and they have no infrastructure. So they don't have the roads, they don't have hotels for the players, they don't have hotels for the fans that will be visiting, they don't have any stadiums, zero, nowhere to play. The weather, because it's the desert, in June, July, August, when the World Cup is normally held, will be terrible, and even though Qatar said they'll air-condition the stadiums, the problem would be for fans in that heat, and that's a a desert heat, like, people would dehydrate and die. And they also calculated that, like, 5,200 people would die... In the making of the stadiums and the infrastructure, on average, because of the way that migrant workers are basically treated in Qatar. And this system, which is called the kafala system, they get migrant workers from the poorest countries and then they take away their passports and they make them work really long hours and it's not safe. It's very much likened to slave labor. And despite this report, of course, it was all about the money, so they gave it to Qatar anyway. An investigative report published by The Guardian used data from embassies and national foreign employment offices to estimate the migrant worker death toll since the World Cup was awarded to Qatar. And between 2010 and 2020, over 6,500 migrant workers from India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Nepal, Sri Lanka have died in Qatar. And in this documentary there were like coffins coming back to nepal and like wives waiting for them like it's awful the qataris they estimated something like three deaths is their official figure and like i don't know 27 other unrelated sort of deaths or something like that fifa knew and everyone knew that like people would die making this happen and they were fine with her. And then the other thing that it just, just really reminds me of, I remember once my mum was on the plane, she went to India, and she was flying Qatar, so it was coming from Doha to Mumbai. And she remembered getting off the plane with all these women who were, she said they were laughing and really happy to be back in India. And she was talking to them. Mm-hmm. And she said that they had just spent the last few years in Doha as migrant workers. They had come from farms in India. They were really poor. They had played an agent with their land in order to get the jobs in Qatar. So they had sold their land. They wanted money for their children and stuff to be able to give them something. So they had gone in debt to this agent, sold their land, gone over to Doha. Their passports were taken away. They worked all of this time. They didn't get paid hmm yeah at all they finally got they were able to get their passports back and they got home but they were then they had lost their land they had mm. not gotten paid for the last few years they had not seen their children for the last few years they didn't achieve what they wanted to achieve and that's also part of the things is like there are legitimate claims that, that a lot of those migrant workers haven't paid and because of this kafala system it's just open to abuse right because you've got total. Disconnect in power because somebody who is Qatari has to sponsor the migrant worker and they're basically in charge of them. They can take away their passport, they can do whatever they want Mm -hmm. and it creates terrible circumstances where
0: that power can just be abused and it's going to be abused, right? We should add that this is not unique to Qatar. It also yeah. happens in Saudi Arabia. In Dubai, there's a huge problem with delivery drivers who experience the same exact thing. And they also have to give a percentage of their salary yeah. to their
1: sponsors.
0: And it's... they usually have to supply their own like delivery equipment, their bikes and stuff. So you have to go in debt in order to do a job where your passport's been taken away and you can't leave. And if you don't deliver enough orders, you will lose your job. And, like, it's terrible and it's a minefield. And
1: this is also, like, just the poorest of the poor people, you know, who come from India and Sri Lanka and Nepal.
0: Absolutely. It's horrific the way they're being exploited. But here comes my two issues with the World Cup. Mm. Okay, one... When I saw the thing that Germany did before their game, because like it was hard to miss it, it was all over social media, the captain of the German team wanted to wear an armband that said One Love, which in and of itself I think is incredibly embarrassing because you have this incredibly corrupt and shitty, terrible organization and they're going to pretend like they're against homophobia and racism when you're like, cool, you are.
1: But they're the football team, right? Yes,
0: but it's like the teams in and itself are a massive part of upholding this macho culture. Like, they're part of it. Football culture is inherently, has like a kind of like a homophobic undercurrent to it. And I guess that like one could make the argument that like starting to like introduce these armbands Mm -hmm. and sort of talking about it will slowly change the culture. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't know, it just feels hypocritical to me to be like, So far in the history of German football, I think only one player has come out as being gay and only like several years after he retired. And he talked about how like safe he didn't feel, so on and so forth. So it just feels like you clearly as a team have not nurtured an environment where someone feels safe to be who they really are. So it feels a little bit hypocritical for them to then wear armbands where they try to promote this when... This is clearly not the environment you're creating. That they're all like, we're gonna wear these armbands and we're gonna support people. And then yet you still go to Qatar. Yeah, it's pink washing. It's so infuriating and it makes me so mad. Then then they did this thing where they put their hands over their mouths in like the team photo because they weren't allowed to wear their one love armbands, and it was their way of like, I don't know, drawing attention to the fact that they were being silenced or they weren't allowed to, you know, them and other people weren't freely allowed to be who they are, and you're like, you went to Qatar, you are the most hypocritical person, you still have gone to this World Cup. If you really care, then you would follow the example of Philip Lam and not go. But clearly, money was more important to you, and as we have just established, football is highly political. So like, shit or get off the pot.
1: Also, they are there already, right? And, and it wasn't just the German team that wanted to wear those armbands. It was England, I think Wales, maybe Belgium. There were quite a few countries. So if all those countries basically unionized, all those football players just said, well, okay, FIFA has put a ban now on that. They said that we can't do it, otherwise we're going to get penalized. They could have just done it anyway. Like, what is Qatar going to do? These are like international football superstars. They have so much power and if all those big teams those like england is a big team germany is a big team in the world cup if they first of all if they don't participate that sends a message but even if they're participating and they decide okay we're just going to wear the armbands anyway i think
0: they could have done it but they just chose not to because it's just so it's cowardice really yeah they're cowards they're hypocritical and they're cowards and so when i saw that photo of them with their hands over their mouths i was so embarrassed i was like Guys, like, do or don't, you know what I mean? Don't be... They did the least, least, least little indicator of something.
1: But then the thing is, every single gay person, lesbian person, bisexual person, every single queer person is getting the message that football is not for them. Yeah. That nobody cares. And every single person who has gone to those games in Qatar are basically saying, yeah, we don't give a shit about how migrant workers are treated, but also we don't really care about how LGBTQIA plus people feel at all. It's a macro aggression because it's illegal in Qatar and there are no... I mean, they said there would be tolerance because obviously if you're hosting a World Cup, there needs to be this tolerance. Legally, no queer person or very few queer people are going to go because they have no legal foot to stand on. Their rights and their... Their well-being cannot be guaranteed by the law of the country that they're in and whether they want to support that country at all as a, as a queer person. But all of us should be allies to those
0: people and
1: boycott it.
0: Like absolutely. If you believe
1: everyone has the right to their own sexuality and to be who they are, like you just shouldn't go.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I am very ashamed of all of the countries who went and all of the people who went because you're all cowards and you care more about profit and your own entertainment than you do about the well-being of people
1: there was something interesting that happened with the iran team too because you know there are big protests happening in iran at the moment and i mean these footballers they have to face this dilemma they're in it they are political whether they want to be or not that's the situation and so they did take some pictures with, I think, the president of Iran and stuff. And people then in Iran started burning the national football club, the flag and everything, which is unheard of because Iran is massive football fanatic kind of nation, right? Are they? Yeah, they're really into football. Oh, um, I learned something new today. Yeah, but normally that doesn't happen. Like, they're proud of of their football and the football team. And then I think the then you could see this kind of struggle where they're trying to, you know, either not sing the national anthem or I think the, what do you call it, the head of the team, the chief of the team, the Uh, team, whatever. He also did, like, a little protesting move. But, like, you know, your whole country is in a revolution, right? You cannot be apolitical. It's impossible. Captain. Captain. (laughs) That's what they're called. Captain. (laughs) The boss of a football team is called a football captain. captain. You heard it here first, people. And so you can really see the struggle with the Iranian team. And I think that's the problem with football players and football fans. It's the masses. It's not like such an intellectual pastime or anything, right? It's just like, we're just going to go. We're going to cheer for our team. It's tribal, whatever. And so everyone's trying to say, well, you know, I just enjoy the game. And therefore I'm watching it. I'm not boycotting it. But I'm sorry, it's like Iran. You cannot do that in this situation. There's no way you can step out of it. It's just apolitical bullshit.
0: Yes, absolutely. But then I also have to say, feel free to completely disagree with me on this, because this is where I said, I have a slightly not controversial opinion on the World Cup, because I have a very, you know, I think there's a lot of people that agree with me on the World Cup. I see a lot of hypocrisy in the way people are talking about Qatar. So I'm just going to preface this by saying that I don't think what happened in Qatar is okay. I don't think that, you know, migrant workers should be dying. And I also don't think that, yeah, like we shouldn't have got the, like it shouldn't be happening. I'm very annoyed about the way that we pick and choose about which conflicts to be outraged about. It makes me very sad that people do not give the same amount of attention to atrocities around the world. And I feel like people's, Not everyone's, obviously, because there's wonderful people who care and who are dedicated to making the world a better place. But I just feel like the majority of the people who are outraged right now about 6,500 migrant workers dying in Qatar are usually very silent on other issues, you know? Like, I don't see the same amount of outrage from people when there are mass killings in Iran or there's things happening in South America... And so, I don't know, it's just, I don't have any explanation, like I can't, why people are latching on this particular thing. I don't know, it just, it frustrates me that we're picking and choosing when we care about people's lives.
1: Well, I don't think that's a people thing, I think it's uh, to do with media coverage, because every single country in the world is involved in this, and it gets a lot of coverage everywhere. And also, I think, I have to say, people are
0: outraged about Iran, they just are. No, I don't think so. Because I, when I look on social media, I see certain demographics of people being very outraged about Iran. But then, as soon as I leave the bubble, I'm seeing a lot of posts about Qatar, but nothing about Iran. Like, I was looking at a l- bunch a of my... a cycle, I think. No, but because like, I was on Instagram and I was like looking on the... I was curious to see if a lot of my friends from the United States... I went to university with, who I knew from my childhood, if people would be posting about Iran. And the entire time, from dedicated feminists, it was like dead silence. None, none of them. And this wasn't limited to, you know, the people that I know from the United States. I saw it with a lot of feminists who I know who are outside of my bubble in Berlin. Very few people commenting on what was happening in Iran. Or, I, I don't know, I was overall disappointed. And then I was even more disappointed to notice that A lot of them were, like, reposting infographics about Qatar. And I don't know, I just... This picking and choosing morality of who... When do we care about whose lives and when? Okay, I disagree. Because I think people
1: respond to what they're getting fed news-wise. It's a news cycle thing. So it's a media attention thing. And I think the World Cup is, first and foremost that and the war with Ukraine are at the forefront of the media cycle right now. Iran was happening, now the World Cup is just in focus. And I also think people we all pick and choose all the time with everything.
0: Because we cannot You can't consume that much media and that Yeah, so you have to pick
1: one thing at a time to post about and this is happening I know everything is happening now right you know like Yemen is happening now there's no coverage about that but the coverage of Iran has simply gone down but now Qatar is happening and it's so current that it's to be commented on now we've also chosen in this podcast to comment on Qatar now we've
0: picked and chosen that yes of course but like why like I'm I'm trying to understand why not why Qatar, but like why has the me why have people in the media obviously because like we are informed, our behaviors, what we care about is informed by the media. No doubt about that. But like the hypocrisy of us caring about this now and not caring about other things is what gets to me.
1: But I don't think it's hypocrisy.
0: I do think it's hypocrisy. I think it's
1: tension. We have So much attention and so many hours in the
0: day. But, like, the same people who will be posting about how horrible the situation is in Qatar will then go on to Amazon and buy things from, you know, essentially people who are being worked to the ground for convenience sakes. Do you see what I mean? It's like this... I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to say we shouldn't care about anything. And I'm not trying to say that you have to care about everything. But it just... It feels like virtue signaling to me to be like, we care about human rights right now when in other aspects of your life, you know, you're going to go buy products from Nestle who use child slavery. You're going to use Amazon to have things delivered to your door. But,
1: okay. I think I, I think I know what it is. I think nobody can be perfect in this stuff. No, of course not. And I don't think, and I think it's unfair to say it's hypocritical that people are not perfect all the time because the people are people and we're all trying our best.
0: But also... No, wait, but I just want to clarify. I'm not trying to say that people are hypocritical because they're not perfect. I think that people are hypocritical for pretending like they care about this issue when their past behavior has shown that they don't. Okay,
1: but I think, like, Amazon and migrant workers both are bad, but migrant workers is on a different scale because those people who are being exploited are really, 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 really poor and they need more of um, a voice and more advocacy. Also, Amazon workers are not dying, literally, like the migrant workers are. There's death involved. Yes. No,
0: no, I wasn't trying to compare the two. I wasn't trying to say that Amazon workers and migrant workers are the same thing. Not at all. Because they're not. But I
1: think you can buy from Amazon. Like, I don't buy from Amazon at all. But I think you can buy from Amazon and be like, I'm really busy and I, you know, don't have time and I'm just going to order a thing from Amazon and it's the fastest, easiest thing for me. And I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. It's bad for the environment. It's bad for those workers. But I'm going to put my convenience over it and I, and I understand that's bad. But I think you can do that on one level in your life. But then you can also, nobody needs to go to a football match or support this shit Nobody Mm -hmm. needs that Neil, in in their life. You might need toilet roll desperately the next day, right? But you don't need to be entertained by football and support like a corrupt game and something that's been built with blood. Like, it's just two different things.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's not. I wasn't trying to say that they're the same thing, Mm -hmm. not in the least. It upsets me that people care about human rights in situations where it suits them. Do you see what I mean? In the sense of, like, people don't give a second thought to all of the other things happening in the world. And somehow they've all jumped on this boat of criticizing Qatar. Which, again, it should be criticized. Like, it shouldn't be happening. Like, it's not the argument I'm making. But, like, again, yes, of course, no one can care about every cause in the world. Of course we all can't. Like, if we consume that much bad news, we would all die. But why like if you're not giving a second thought to human rights and other aspects of your life because again like you're saying oh yes like you quickly order toilet paper from amazon for convenience sake but that's you that's the people in our bubble the majority of the people who use amazon are not concerned with the workers they don't think about it in that way so for them being like i really have no other choice but to order this quickly from amazon they use it routinely for the convenience. And even if they're told about the exploitation of workers, I don't know how we got on this Amazon example. This was a bad (laughs) example for this argument. But they don't care. They continue to use a service even though all of the evidence that they have been given about how it's exploiting. So why do they suddenly feel like they have have to comment on Qatar?
1: Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think the difference is that one involves a much more severe a severe violation of human rights than another. I think it's a little bit of a scale.
0: Yeah, I mean, we should have not gone with this Amazon example. But then, like, the Nestle example. Nestle uses child labor, child slaves to pick the cocoa beans, but people are still buying Nestle products. Nobody's...
1: I mean, I'm not buying Nestle products. The thing is, yes, we all have a lot of power, and we should exercise it better, for sure. I also think... It's a little bit of an assumption. Like, I don't know what the... Like, if you surveyed the people about Qatar and what their habits are, and I'm outraged about Qatar, and I don't know what an Amazon don't, don't have, nicely, But, I mean, I think it's nice to be positive about the thing and be like, people hopefully care about everything and if we educate them enough and inform them enough of stuff i think a lot of things is about media attention and stuff like that and making those connections and i think that's down to education and media and information at the end of the day and i have full faith that people would i'm not sure i'm just feeling
0: positive today (laughs) really i'm feeling the opposite of positive i'm very Um, angry and annoyed today
1: the other thing that's actually quite interesting though is the fact that. Like, football has this political power. When you see these guys, they met with Sarkozy, they met with Nelson Mandela, they are wielding a political power. Qatar has the biggest reserves of liquid gas. So also, all of our governments are complicit in supporting Qatar in some way. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's interesting is, like, with the French, when Platini, who was head of UEFA at the time, went in to meet Sarkozy he said that he was given this kind of subliminal message that they should vote for Qatar since there was a whole Qatari delegation, you know, there. Yeah, And and then, of course, they they voted in Qatar, got it, and then right afterwards, St. was bought by the Qataris and they did this deal between France and Qatar with these fighter jets and also an Airbus deal and stuff like that. So I think the link that you're talking about could be very interesting when we think about The natural resources we use and the gas we use and where everything is coming from and the compromises that our governments make for our wallets, for our energy and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to really protest this, another way would be really to campaign for more sustainable energy sources, different deals to see what your government is doing. Mm. in relation to Saudi Arabia, Qatar, all of this, because we, we need those resources. Yeah, that's the tricky part. That's where the hypocrisy, I think, comes
0: in a little bit. Yeah, I know, absolutely. This whole thing is just a bit of a shit show, isn't it? Anyway, bad mood today, Yeah, I'm in a terrible mood. Anyway, so I don't have to continue to be in a bad mood anymore. We're going to leave you alone and just segue into our three things you can do this week to be a better person. Thing one is very simple. Don't watch the World Cup. Boycott it. I mean, I know if you're already there... Well, I'm assuming if you're there, you don't listen to our podcast, but just don't watch it, don't support it. Number two would be, please don't fall into the trap of all those
1: FIFA people and be like, well, that's just the way things are. No, we can change the way
0: anything is because we made it that way in the first place. And thing three, football in and of itself is a lovely thing, like playing football with your friends. I mean, I started saying that and I realized I don't really like sports, But in theory, it's a wonderful thing. So maybe go back to the roots of what football is and play a game with your friends and don't give in to corruption. There's this
1: great quote in the documentary where a guy was saying, well, why should we care about corruption in football or in sports? And he was saying, sports is all about fun. It's about pureness. It's about fair play and rules. So if we don't care about corruption in sports then we just shouldn't care about corruption at all yeah
0: sports do have a massive unifying aspect to them so let's go back to that thank you for listening until next week goodbye
1: if you like the show please share it with your friends and subscribe
0: wherever you get your podcasts you can also help us by supporting us on patreon for as little as four euro a month visit patreon.com slash
1: misinformed For links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read, subscribe to our weekly newsletter at
0: misinformed.substack.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback, request, or just to say hi, misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.